Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. New COVID-19 cases in the state continue to increase rapidly with well over a million cases so far. Here in Los Angeles, LA County authorities are contemplating a strict stay-at-home order, similar to the one implemented in the early days of the pandemic. Meanwhile, Dr. Mark Galley, California's Secretary of Health and Human Services, is urging people to scale back their Thanksgiving plans, cut down on travel, and avoid the mixing of households as much as possible. Galley spoke about changes to his own holiday plans. Instead of doing it later in the day, we're going to move it up. We're going to try to move it outside to catch a little bit of the warmer weather. Thankfully, it looks like we'll have some sun on that day. That There are some options, even at this day, just a few days ahead, to change that plan and, and maybe do something slightly differently. Galley spoke at a press conference hosted by Governor Gavin Newsom. The governor is quarantining at home with his family after being exposed to the coronavirus by one of his children's classmates and a CHP officer. Because of a big spike in coronavirus cases and positivity rates, Los Angeles County Public Health Authorities have ordered restaurants to suspend outdoor dining for three weeks starting tomorrow. But the city of Pasadena, which has its own public health department, says it'll keep restaurants open as it assesses daily coronavirus numbers. And one L.A. County supervisor, Catherine Barger, says she'll oppose the order to stop dine-in service at a supervisor's meeting today. Here she is speaking to KPCC radio. I feel that we are, again, targeting one industry unfairly and giving the public a false sense of security with the assumption that restaurants are the spreader when in fact, we know that large, you know, social gatherings really are ground zero and super spreaders. Supervisor Barger also contends the recent surge in LA's confirmed coronavirus cases comes from increased testing. Coronavirus vaccines may be available for people soon. That's extraordinarily fast. But experts say the vaccines must still go through a rigorous safety process. And California will have a role. KQED's Laura Clivens has more. Initial vaccine trials determine dosage, efficacy, and safety. Now drug companies are reaching the end of the final phase. These are trials that you cannot rush. Dr. Randy Bergen is working on vaccine guidelines with California's Department of Public Health. These need thousands and thousands of people. They look in much greater detail in terms of the safety profile of the vaccine. Companies must monitor people for at least two months after they receive the last dose. Bergen says no one's cutting corners here. They're speeding up other parts of the process with huge amounts of money from governments, like planning for mass manufacturing and distribution before the vaccine has even been approved. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. 
Meanwhile, a San Diego judge has denied a request from a group of local businesses demanding to be allowed to reopen indoor operations during the pandemic. From San Diego, KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler has more. The lawsuit came from four businesses, including restaurants and gyms, which have to end indoor service under the state's purple tier guidelines, imposed in San Diego earlier this month. On Monday afternoon, San Diego Superior Court Judge Kenneth J. Medell ruled the state's order has, quote, general support in science and reason, and that the dangers of rolling those measures back outweighs the economic harm caused by them. In court last Friday, Bruno Katz, an attorney representing the businesses, says his clients were being unfairly singled out, while some non-essential retail businesses are allowed to continue to operate indoors. The restaurants are not asking for anything other than being treated in a similar fashion as to other industries. They are not the one driving the metric, but for some reason, the state has believed that restaurants and gyms are somehow more problematic than other uh, industries. Shortly after the ruling, San Diego County Supervisors Nathan Fletcher and Greg Cox proposed a $20 million relief program for businesses impacted by the move to the purple tier, like the ones that waged the lawsuit. The San Diego Board of Supervisors is said to consider their proposal on Wednesday. Meanwhile, Judge Medell set a hearing for next week to listen to further arguments over whether the county's health orders should be rolled back. For the California Report, I'm Max Rivlin-Nadler in San Diego. Let's turn to transportation and the environment. General Motors is walking away from the Trump administration's legal fight, challenging California's longtime authority to set its own tougher clean air and vehicle emission standards than the federal government. The company's decision was announced in a letter sent Monday to environmental groups by GM CEO Mary Barra. The move is a sign that GM and other automakers are anticipating big changes when President-elect Joe Biden takes office in January and refocuses the U.S. on efforts to fight climate change. GM also announced it'll sell 30 different electric vehicle models by 2025. Senator Dianne Feinstein says she's stepping down from her role as the top Democrat on the Judiciary Committee, a position she's had for the past four years. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer has more. Feinstein has never been a favorite of the Democratic Party's progressive wing, but dissatisfaction with the 87-year-old senator grew more intense over her handling of confirmation hearings for Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. Before the hearings began, Democrats feared Feinstein's collegial attitude would interfere with what many said was needed, an all-out effort to stop Barrett's nomination. Feinstein's fate may have been sealed as the hearings ended when she praised Senator Lindsey Graham's handling of the proceedings and then gave him a big hug. By stepping aside, Feinstein might be acknowledging that many of her colleagues think it's time for new leadership on the Judiciary Committee. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Looking ahead, Feinstein says she wants to focus her efforts on addressing the coronavirus pandemic and fighting climate change. Meanwhile, many Californians who are unemployed or have a struggling business hope this lame duck Congress will be able to overcome its partisan divide and do more to provide pandemic assistance in its remaining days. One person who's at least a little optimistic about that is Democratic Congressman Ted Lieu of Los Angeles, who spoke to me. Number one, we have to fund government. Uh, So I believe that that will happen. I don't think either the Senate or the House of Representatives would like to have the government shut down. And that will happen in terms of funding government. Uh, Number two, I think there is a chance we'll get a second stimulus package. Senator McConnell has 
stated that he would like to see a second stimulus package uh, in a lame duck session. So we'll see if he means what he says. And do you think that'll be a comprehensive stimulus package or something that's really modest and slimmed down? Uh, we would not, in the House of Representatives, approve a slimmed down package. We'll simply wait for Joe Biden uh, to be president and then we'll do a much bigger package with him. Uh, so the choice for the Republicans is really, do they want to work out in lame duck session and get help to the American people? Or do they want Joe Biden to get the credit when we'll do an even bigger package when he comes into office? So when the new Congress is sworn in next year, what do you and your colleagues from California want to see immediately done? Uh, so job number one is to suppress the virus. We're never going to get our economy back to normal if we don't control the virus. And that means we have to make sure that vaccine distribution happens to people as quickly as possible. And it's going to be a lot of effort to make sure we get as much resources as we can to the people that need it. That's Congressman Ted Lieu of Los Angeles. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. And here's an unusual Silicon Valley story. The head of global security at Apple and a county undersheriff have been indicted by a grand jury in Santa Clara County. These are the latest of six indictments in a widening bribery scandal, as KQED's Aditi Bandlamudi explains. The undersheriff and a captain stand accused of requesting bribes for concealed carry gun permits, this time from Apple's chief security officer and a local insurance broker, specifically a donation of 200 iPads and $6,000 worth of luxury box seats to a Sharks game. DA Jeff Rosen. If a public official is requesting a bribe, what that person should do is call the DA's office not comply with that. Sheriff Lori Smith has sole authority to sign off on those permits, and the DA says some of her family members sat in those box seats to celebrate her latest win to a sixth term. In a press release, Smith's office said only, this is a difficult time for our organization. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. On his first day in office, President-elect Joe Biden says he'll create a task force to reunite migrant families separated at the border by the Trump administration. But as KQED's Michelle Wiley reports, that's easier said than done. At the final presidential debate in October, Biden strongly condemned the Trump policy that led border agents to take children away, to prosecute parents and deter migration. Their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. And now they cannot find over 500 sets of those parents, and those kids are alone. In fact, it's a lot more than 500 families. Since Trump took office, more than 5,000 children have been separated. And while thousands of parents have been located, that leaves many, many kids still in limbo over three years later. As part of a lawsuit settlement, advocates and lawyers are still trying to find parents who lost their kids in 2017. Often the only way is through lengthy searches on the ground in Central America because the government didn't keep track of families and hasn't provided good contact numbers. So we couldn't even begin the searches, uh, you know, by phone trying to contact these families. That's ACLU lawyer Lee Alert, who represents the parents in the ongoing lawsuit against the Trump administration. Biden has said he'll prioritize reunifying these families, but so far he hasn't offered details. Gallant says there are some things that would help, 
like allowing parents deported without their kids to return to the U.S. legally. They have been through so much, and I think the least we can do now is to provide them with some status. He also suggested the government create a fund for the families to get trauma counseling and other health care. And, he says, Biden should stop the separations that are still happening. The federal judge who blocked Trump's original policy has allowed border officials to take kids when they believe a parent is unfit or a danger. That's happened to more than 1,100 children. Sometimes, Gallant says, for minor reasons. We do not want the types of separation decisions that occur under the Trump administration made by CBP and ICE officials where they are unilaterally declaring without evidence most of the time that the parent is a a danger to the child. He and other advocates say separation decisions should be based on child welfare standards and more recently separated families should be included in the lawsuit. But even families who had some legal protection from the case are still suffering as a result of the Trump policies and the terrible choices they were forced to make. Erica Pinero is the director of litigation for Al Otro Lado, a California nonprofit working on behalf of immigrant families. She told the story of a Guatemalan man who came to the U.S. with his seven-year-old son to seek asylum in 2018. The boy was taken from him at the border, and though the man suffered violence and discrimination back home, Pinero said it was unlikely he would qualify for protection. He ultimately made the painful decision to accept deportation while his son stayed in the U.S. with an aunt. So the only choices are bring your child back to a situation where you are receiving deadly threats or leave them in the United States um, and potentially never see them again. Despite the difficult task ahead, Pinero's hopeful that Biden is committed to repairing the damage. We see a definite opportunity with the Biden administration, much more of an opportunity than we would have had with the Trump administration, whose DOJ was fighting reunifications every step of the way. But, she says, it remains to be seen who will be on the next president's task force and how far they're willing to go to make these families whole again. For The California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, November 24th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Be sure to check out our daily podcast. It has all the stories from both of our morning newscasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.